Welcome to another edition of Pool Time. My name is Max King, your host. We're going to call this one episode four today here for Impact Sports. Thanks for tuning in again to Pool Time, your source for goals, high dives, and butterflies. We're talking all things Michigan State swimming, diving, and water polo. And we have a very busy episode to get to today. But before we get to that, I do want to recap and kind of tell you a little bit about the show, what we've done in the past, how you can find past episodes. So like I said, I'm going to call this one episode four. And we, so again, we've had three other episodes prior to this. Um, and how you can find those, you can actually go on our brand new sports website. That's impact89fm.org forward slash sports. And you can go to the Michigan State Sports. You'll find swimming. You'll find pool time. And you can go at the past episodes there. Past episodes, we usually try to have a special guest on every week. We'll have one on this week, a few of them actually. And uh, past episodes, we've had some great interviews so far. Josh Jackson, who plays on the Michigan State water polo team, he was on in episode one. He had a great, some great insight there. Um, Chase Plank, who's a former Michigan State water polo player, had a great interview. Um, kind of the highlights and lowlights of his career and kind of what goes on behind the scenes and, and things like that. Great stories. Um, so that was a very interesting interview there from Chase. He's been on there. And then we've had Matt Giannotis, who is the head coach of the Michigan State men's and women's swim team. He was on there, and we're actually going to hear from him later in the show as well, along with a couple other Michigan State swimmers too. So that's how you can find past episodes. That's what kind of the past episodes have included. So by all means, check those out. Some great insight, great interviews there as well. But uh, before we get to Michigan State swimming, who's been very busy, I want to get to water polo first. Men's water polo also have had a lot of talk about. So I'm going to actually explain to you how the season works as far as regular season wins, Big Ten Tournament, how to get to the national tournament, things like that. I talked to, actually, Alex Baker, who is the vice president of the Michigan State Water Polo team. He gave me some insight on that. We'll talk about him in just a few moments. But first, want to kind of recap what's been going on with the team so far. Their first couple games was a a tournament. Okay, first tournament was at the University of Tennessee, where they had a great start to the season, went 4-1 and to start the season out. They lost in the finals to Dynamo Atlanta, which is a club team in Atlanta, Georgia. And they lost to them, but very good start for them so far. Also very notable when they're beating the University of Michigan 8-6 to start the season out. So that's a great way to start the season out. Obviously, big rivalry there. And then, so they went 4-1 there. Then after that, they got into Big Ten Conference play. So now before we get into the Big Ten Conference play scores, I want to kind of break it down for you as to how things work at, in college water bowl because they're different, but I like them. I like the way the system works here. I wish more major sports did it this way. So this is how it works so far. And again, this is this is coming from Alex Baker, vice president of Michigan State Water Bowl. He had some great insight, and we thank him. For, I, I appreciate him talking to me about it because um, it's very informational here. So how it goes is that there's two tournaments that the CWPA, that are official CWPA tournaments, CWPA standing for Collegiate Water Polo Association, kind of the governing body of club water polo at, at the college level. So there's two tournaments that, that they have every year. Now, those tournaments, you play every single conference team. Okay, so in this case, the Big Ten. So they play every Big Ten team once. There's eight teams in the Big Ten. Those eight teams are Indiana University, Michigan State, Northwestern, Purdue, 
Illinois, Iowa, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Okay. Now, there are other teams that are Big Ten schools that have teams, but they don't compete in the Big Ten because of location reasons. For example, Penn State, a Big Ten school, but they don't compete in the Big Ten Conference because, remember, these are club sports. They have to self-fund themselves. So that's a lot of money to travel because we know Penn State is kind of out in the outskirts as far as the Big Ten Conference region goes. So what they do is they actually play in the East Coast leagues. So that's easier for them to travel to. So they play there. Uh, A team like Nebraska, who is kind of out toward the the middle of the country, they'll do the same thing, okay? Because, again, these are self-funded sports. They cannot afford to fly in to Michigan or Indiana or Ohio and play these games because they simply don't have the money. So there are other Big Ten schools with water polo teams, but they compete in different conferences. So that's kind of the layout of as far as the conference goes. So back to the two uh, official College Water Polo Association tournaments. What happens is you play, there's two tournaments. They have every single Big Ten team in those tournaments. You play each Big Ten team once. It'd be like the same thing as college football. You play each Big Ten team once, and how you do in those games determines how you are seeded in the Big Ten. So, for instance, you could, you know, if you win all eight of your games, you'll be the number one seed in the Big Ten tournament. Now, here's the thing I really, really like about how college water polo goes down. The fact that you have to win your conference tournament to go to the national tournament. If you want to go in the Big Ten, you have to win the Big Ten tournament. If you don't win the Big Ten tournament, your season is done. There are no automatic bids, and I like that. Because if you look like a a sport like college basketball, great sport, no disrespect, but you have automatic bids in basketball. And what I mean by that is, let's say you're Michigan State, you're a 28 and you finish the season 28 and 5, you win the Big 10 regular season. Okay, so you've won that. And now you know because you won the Big 10 regular season, you're automatically going to be in NCAA tournament, okay? As long as you win your conference, you're in in basketball, okay? You just got to win your comp- regular season. So then when you get to the Big 10 tournament, that has no meaning to you because you already know you're going to have a future. So if you lose in whatever round it may be, it's not the end of the world because you have NCAA, the NCAA tournament to prepare for. So now there are teams that are kind of on the bubble, not sure if they're tournament teams or not. And the tournament means a lot to them because if they can string a good couple of wins together in the tournament, the NCAA, the selection committee sees that, okay, and then they can put them in. Okay, and vice versa. If they're on the brink there and they don't play well in the, in the tournament, then they're out. Okay, but that's not the case in water polo. It doesn't matter how good you are, what your record is. If you win that tournament, that Big Ten tournament, you're in. So as Alex Baker was was telling me, you could be eight and zero. You could you could be every Big Ten team by twenty goals in the regular season, win the regular season title outright. But if you lose in the first round of that Big Ten tournament, your season's over. You're done. On the other side, you could be 0-8. You could have a terrible season, not win a game all year. Then all of a sudden, you could string four wins together, and then all of a sudden, you're going to nationals. So I like that. It makes those Big Ten tournaments worthwhile. It's not like in basketball where, yeah, you're going to watch the Big Ten tournament, but unless, unless you're a bubble team, that has no meaning to you. So I like the way college water polo does this. You have to win the Big Ten tournament 
if you want to go to nationals. Okay. So with that said, so Michigan State, going back to them now, off to a great start. They're 4-0 in Big Ten play, and they're ranked number seven in the country nationally. So that's great for them. They're, they were unranked coming to the season. Okay. We'll list off the top 10 here. And, and Michigan State is the only Big Ten team in the top 10. They do have some other ranked teams, but Michigan State, the highest ranked team in the Big Ten. You have the you have UCLA, number one, Texas, number two, University of Cal Berkeley, number three, Lindenwood University, which Chase Plank talked about in his episode of Pool Time. Very interesting story there. University of Florida rounds out at 5, San Diego State at 6, Michigan State we just talked about at 7, USC at 8, Arizona State at 9, University of Pennsylvania, the Scholars, at number 10. Now, other Big Ten teams in there are Ohio State at 17 and Illinois at 18 to round out that top 20, and then they do have some reserves there, but there's no Big Ten teams in there. So there's three Big Ten teams ranked in the top 20, which is good. Okay, Michigan State highest at number seven. Actually, we're number four last week, but they dropped down to seven. So they went to that first Big Ten tournament. It was at Purdue, and they went 4-0. and Their first game was against Illinois, who was, again, a ranked team. At the time, was the eighth-ranked team in the country. That was a big win for them. They won 6-4 to to open Big Ten play. Josh Jackson, as we mentioned, um, he was on the show on previous shows earlier. He had a hat trick in that game which if he doesn't have that have that big game, they probably don't win that game. So kudos to them. So it's a 6-4 win over a very good Illinois team. And then after that, for the next three games, were, it was all cupcake. All cupcakes for Michigan State. Northwestern beat them 13-5. Wisconsin, victory, 15-8. Iowa, beat down, 13-2. So they're 4-0 right now in Big Ten play. Tops in the Big Ten. Top 10 in the country at number 7th. So great start for them. But again, like Alex was saying earlier, it does not matter how well you do in the regular season, you got to come to play in that Big Ten tournament. Because if you don't, you're out. And Michigan State has proven that they can play in those big tournaments, okay? They've won the Big Ten tournament multiple times over the last couple years. And they've also won national titles, okay? Two national titles in the last, since 2006. 2006, 2008, they won it. They lost in the semifinals in 2009, so they got close. They're in the final four, if you will, in 2009. So they've shown that they can play in those big games, okay? So they won those first four games in the conference tournament. They're 4-0. They're feeling good at the Big Ten. Also had a really big non-conference win at Georgia Tech, which was in a non-CWPA tournament, but they had a big, big win, 13-0 against Georgia Tech, which is good. Anytime you can go down to a big team like Georgia Tech, handle them well, do your business, come out. They have a goose egg on their end. That's a big win for them. So they're feeling good right now. At the same time, you got to think about this is a very young team. They only have two seniors on the team, and they're one of the best in the country. So it's very promising not only for this year, but for years to come. So that's what the men's water pool team has been up to. Okay, great start for them. And, uh, and by all means, we'll keep you updated on how they do in the Big Ten the rest of the season. They, 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 and again, they don't just play Big Ten games. So it's not like they just play eight games and they're done. Like I said, they do play non-conference games. They have that non-conference tournament in Tennessee. They'll have more this week. They have the Spartan Invite, which is a non-conference tournament held at MSU. And, and we'll, we'll recap those in other episodes. But So that's what the men's water pole team has been, has been going on. We'll have more guests, more insight on that in future shows. 
But all right, so let's move to uh, Michigan State swimming now. I talked to uh, Matt Giannotis and a couple swimmers, went to practice a little while ago. Kind of talked to them about what they're expecting for the upcoming season. This was just in loom of the green and white game, which we'll recap in a few seconds. I was also at that meet as well. And so, but first of all, let's go to, I went and sat down with uh, Michigan State head swim coach, Matt Giannotis, who has been on the show before, very familiar with what we do here at Pool Time. And um, I also talked to swimmers Brian Williams and Becca Berman. So we're going to listen to uh, what they had to say about the upcoming season. And at the very end, we're going to recap the green and white meet. And then we'll go into a feature at the very end about athletes in the community. And you'll hear about that in a little bit, why we're going to do that. Because they're a really special thing that the Michigan State swim team is doing this year outside of just competing in the Big Ten. So let's hear from Matt Giannotis, head swim coach, and Brian Williams, senior swimmer and junior swimmer Becca Berman on the upcoming season. Our practices have been pretty sharp. And, um, you know, we've been doing better uh, Got a young team, so uh, it'll be interesting to see. And we graduated a really good guy last year, so we'll see how that fills in. On the guy side, on the women's side, we lost a lot of people last year too, so we'll see. It's young guys are gonna ha- or young people are gonna have to step up pretty quickly. We've been working on underwires a lot, which I need to focus on right now. Uh, the last past couple of years, I've been struggling with that in my race, so um, it's good to have that emphasis right away at the beginning of the season to uh, focus on that, try and you know just become better. So. Uh, as of right now, I'd have to say the season's going pretty well. Things have been going great. Practice has been going really well. The girls' team has been doing great as a team in and out of the weight room and in the pool. Personally, myself, I've been hitting all my goal times that I've been working on, and, I mean, I, there's no complaints so far. Okay, so you listen there. That was we're, we're kind of previewing the upcoming meet there, their first meet of the season, which is the green and white meet, which was on October 4th, not too long ago. And I was actually at that meet, and... We'll go into that one now. So Matt G knows basically what he said. You know, they're looking for good swims. The green and white meet is just it's a good way to kind of break up training because at this point they're be training for a number about five to six weeks now. And you know, that can get really taxing. Okay. And we, we heard Brian Williams talk about that. It can get really taxing when you're when you're swimming for constantly six days a week that long, sometimes twice a day. So I can tell you one thing right now, meets are your friend. In this case, when it's kind of the dog days of the season, when you're first starting out, you're getting back in the shape. Swim meets are your friend. You could all—they're all—they're all looking forward to the meet. They're looking forward to getting some good times, posting—you uh, know—seeing where they're at early on in the season. Especially a guy like Brian Williams. Now, Brian Williams, okay, he's kind of the stud of that men's side because he placed last year twentieth and in the nationals in the hundred butterflies. So he's coming in. He's looking to really improve. This is his senior year. He's had a good junior year. So he's looking to prove on that. And so let's preview that meet right now, the green and white meet that was on October 4th. Coming into that meet, I heard Mac talk about it earlier. He said that they're just looking for to post some fast times, kind of see where everyone's at right now, though he kind of knows where they're going to be at. But it's always good to see some surprises. So as far as that meet goes, he said after the meet, and we'll hear him talk about it in just a second, he said that there weren't any great standout swims, nothing that really shocked him. You know, they're not going to, have lightning in a bottle in this first meet and that goes for anybody i mean it's a first meet you're just trying to get in some sort of idea of where you're at in the season early on because it's a very long season remember they're ending in the springtime so they go from fall to spring you know it really is not going to determine a whole lot of where you're going to be at the end of the season and in fact it's not going to determine really where you're going to be at at all 
at the end of the season because, yeah, they've had about six weeks to train, which sounds like a lot, but in reality, the swimming world, that's not very much the train. So let's hear Matt talk about what he thought about his team's performances after the green and white meet. Well, I mean, I thought we raced really well. I mean, all things considered, I thought it was a really nice job for our kids. You know, some we're a little off in some areas, but I think some people really bounce back. So we'll see. I mean, it's to be expected. Some of these kids haven't raced in a long time, and uh, I thought we did all right. Any standout swims today? I wouldn't call anything really standout, but I thought there were some encouraging performances, and I, I think that's like I said. We, I mean, we got a long way to go, and I, I thought we swam. Uh, pretty well, but I, off the top of my head, I guess the, the biggest one that, that really was impressive was Nate Weeks. He did a really nice job in the iron, but there were some good swims all over the place. What were you looking for coming into the meet? Just to be competitive. I mean, we don't have a lot of opportunities, uh, and we've been training really hard, so it's kind of a break in training and everything else, so that that's kind of nice. What were the stakes here? Uh, winner gets what? Loser gets what? What was winner, that? Uh, the winning team gets a free get-out-of-jail-free card out of one workout next week, which is nice. And the green team actually won 336 to 243, so a pretty commanding win by the green team, as I mentioned earlier. And again, Matt said at the end there that they get a get-out-of-jail-free card for practice that following week. So good for them, good for the green team. I watched it, you know, a lot of, a lot of decent swims, okay? I mean, about where you expected them to be at. But like you said, nothing outstanding. But I did talk to a couple of people who had some good meets. Brian Williams, as we mentioned earlier, won all of his events. Uh, it looked pretty good, despite what he thought. So let's listen to Brian Williams and what he had to say about his performance at the Green and White meet. Before the races, I felt uh, pretty pretty crummy. But uh, as it, the meet went on, I started to loosen up and started to feel more comfortable with my stroke. So as time went on, I got used to the water and felt better at the end of the race. Early on the season, obviously hard to be really pleased with times, but uh, anything, you had a couple wins today, you know, how'd you feel about that? Uh, I was very excited about that. Um, the times could have been a little bit better. I remember last year I was able to uh, swim a little bit faster than I did at the, this meet right now, but uh, you know, we've been training really hard and start the season like you said, so I'm, I'm expecting some big things uh, this year. Now, on the on the women's side, there were some good swims as well. Becca Berman, as we heard from earlier in the show, she won the 1,000 in pretty convincing fashion, was very close to winning the 500. She got touched out by her teammate there, so she had a good meet there as well. But a thing that stuck out to me was Sarah Love. She won all of her events as a freshman, and so let's hear from real quick, see what Sarah thought about the meet. I felt pretty good. I didn't feel very well during warm-up, but I mean... It went better than expected. You had a couple uh, wins tonight. What were you looking forward to coming to the meet? Um, just to get the freshman training trip times, honestly. Again, a 336 to 243 victory for the green team. They don't have to practice. They get to skip a practice the following week. And so all around about what we expected from that first inner squad meet. But to me, what the real story has been over the last couple weeks for the swim team is not anything what they've done in the pool. Now, they've done something really, really neat this year, and that's they're actually adopting a child onto the team. And what I mean by that is there's a six-year-old boy. His name is Brody, and he's had cancer since he was about 15 months. What the team did this year, kind of similar to the thing that, that the Michigan State football team did with, with, the, with the 12-year-old girl, Paige, um, kind of adopted her onto the team. They did the same thing here. And so they adopted the six-year-old, and they officially adopted him at the green and white meet. It was a great thing to see. Brody was there on deck with his family and his extended family, and they were there. He had a great time. He was a little shy. I was watching him from the stands. He was a little shy 
coming into it. A couple of swimmers approached him and his family here and there, said it's really great to meet him. They shook all their hands, shook Brody's hand. And before you know it, Brody is over on the other side. He's sitting with the team. He's getting water and Gatorade, and he's having a great time. He's on people's shoulders, taking pictures, and he was having a great, great time. And I'll tell you one thing right now, that is a really special kid, and that's a really special thing that that Michigan State team is doing because for them, and we'll hear from Berman and, and Williams and Giannotis here about that in a second. For them to do that, it's it's a good thing to do because it kind of really makes you think about the big picture and how even when you might think things are going bad, there's always someone who has it worse. And when you see a kid like Brody, who's really not had it great since day one, it puts it in perspective for you and it kind of makes you appreciate what you have a little bit more. So let's hear from, uh, we'll hear from Matt Giannotis. Uh, Brian Williams about what they thought their first kind of interactions with Brody were and we'll also hear about just the other things that the swim team does to kind of impact the community so let's listen to Giannotis and Williams there about what they thought about meeting the six-year-old Brody. Oh I think it means a lot and I, I mean it's a it's a year-long commitment that our team is going to have to him too so that's really really nice. Uh, what do you want your athletes to get out of that experience? Just to understand he'd live every day well and have an appreciation for what's going on I mean that's not really why we did it but I think it's going to be definite offshoot we just want to make the kid be yeah, have a good experience here at Michigan State. He is one of the coolest little kids uh, in the world. Very talkative. Um, the minute I introduced myself to him, he immediately just started telling me all about school and Cub Scouts. So I'm very happy that we've uh, got this opportunity to uh, you know take him into the swimming family and you know just give him our love and support. So you heard great things from them. Obviously, Brian thought he was a great guy. Matt G noticed very excited to see what that kind of brings to the team this year. Again, great thing that that team is doing this year, but that's not the only thing that they do. Um, a lot of people don't realize that. Now, of course, this doesn't just go for Michigan State swimming, but we'll talk about that since it is this is the swimming show. Um, they do a lot of great things outside of the community as well. And I sat down with, with Matt, and I sat down with Brian, and I sat down with Becca Berman, earlier a few weeks ago and kind of talked to them like they kind of ran me through what did they do to impact the community okay they're not just there to put a positive light on michigan state athletics which they do but they also do a lot of things to help the east lansing greater lansing community as well so let's hear from matt brian and becca on some of the things that they do to impact the community around them one of the things that we do every year, and we've been cited actually for it uh, by the Salvation Army in Lansing, is uh, they have a toy distribution center, a holiday toy distribution center. Um, and every year on the Friday of exam week, we go down and assist them uh, with a lot of their work. And in fact, we, and sometimes we save their bacon because they're so far behind when we get there. Our kids, you know, you bring 60 kids down there and they all help. Uh, it gets them way ahead of where they were. They're usually way behind when we come in and then when we leave, they're way ahead. It was, uh, you know, 60 extra people can really help you out and volunteers. Um, our kids, not necessarily as a team, as but as a group sometimes or as individual groups, they do a lot of other stuff through Angela uh, Monty over in the Smith Center. Uh, they get involved in the community quite a bit. In fact, some of them get, in the community, get involved in the community. We had a, a girl on our team last year, Whitney Woodbridge, who single-handedly organized a Relay for Life in Jenison. They, they had to take it off of... of uh, the Ralph Young track because it was so cold that night moved everything into Jenison so our kids get involved uh, they were provided great opportunities through the athletic department and also through the East Lansing and Lansing communities greater Lansing area I guess and um, so they do a lot they do a lot I think if you're an athlete in East Lansing um, at Michigan State your profile is so high regardless of the sport I mean I I think you know obviously if you're playing football basketball here hockey uh, volleyball you know some of the sports that get 
you would consider them like first tier sports or you know really really high visibility I, I, I feel like sometimes you just owe it to the community to do something um, but I mean you know we, we have uh, Toys for Tots which is run through the department um, you know we have uh, a lot of outreach community outreach with with reading days in the elementary schools and our kids do a lot of stuff and when I say our kids I mean all 800 student athletes at Michigan State and on some levels they should be I mean I, I, I feel like you know you only have you only have a limited amount of time to really make an impact into a community uh, when you're this age because after this you know you got to start getting your resume together and you really have to uh, start focusing on yourself and your job and I think if you develop those skills in college, you'll always have them sitting in the, you know, the, you know when you get some spare time, if, you're, if, you're, if you started doing volunteerism, it's so much easier to do it as you get a little bit older. We truly do have a tremendous impact um, when it comes to community, mainly because there's uh, outreach programs that we have going on every week, and uh, Angela Monti uh, puts them together. She does a great job with that, and it basically allows us to to you know, go to schools and talk, and go to hospitals, or go to um, just like little little groups and read to kids. So, by having that image out there, and you know, just showing that we truly do care about the community, and very grateful for what we have, I think that it uh, sheds a good light on the athletic community. I think athletes definitely have a positive impact on the community. Um, I mean. In the past, we've done a lot of events where we go out into the community and like we reach out to kids and people in the community. And I think it just, I think it kind of boosts kids' like confidence because a lot of kids don't know like where they want to, what they want to do with their life. And if they see people like us, they really like maybe they want to be, like they can strive to be a college athlete one day. All right, so you heard from them right there. Great things they do. I mean, the Salvation Army thing every year towards towards the holidays is a huge thing. Matt Giannota said it himself. I mean, before they come in there, they're really swamped and they're really behind. And by the time they leave, they're ahead of schedule, which is a good thing. And, th- and that's what you want. I mean, for them to, you know, whether it be going to hospitals, meeting little kids, Brody thing, volunteering, whatever, um, like Brian Williams said, it sheds a good light, not just on the swim team, not just on Michigan State Athletics, but on just college athletes in general, because a lot of people don't realize that they have a huge impact on the community around them. So great job with them. Um, great episode. Again, I want to thank Alex Baker for talking to me. Uh, I also want to thank Matt Giannotis, Brian Williams, Sarah Love, and Becca Berman for talking to me as well. This is episode four of Pool Time. My name is Max King, your host. Again, tune into Pool Time for goals, high dives, and butterflies. We'll talk everything from Michigan State swimming to diving to water polo on the men's and women's side. Thanks for listening.